Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like the um, the loan modification programs, the um, uh, the HAMP, HARP, those types of programs, uh, we have certainly seen, and I know I've seen that, um, that those programs have been offered for some time now that they have really under, you know, I think um, uh, underperformed against the goals of putting consumers into um, uh, different types of loan mm-hmm. products or, you know, loan uh, modifications they can afford, uh, but that some of the recent uh, modifications to those modification programs have been uh, announced and I think are, that the hope is that they will be more successful in attracting more consumers into those modification programs. Do, do people know how to do this? I mean, if you're a person who's 60 days behind or getting to 60 or 50 days behind, you know that something might happen. You've heard about the 60 days. This is when it really gets tough. Do you really know who to turn to and who ought you to turn to? The, the advice that we always give consumers when they ask when they ask TransUnion about how to better manage their credit uh, for mortgages, credit cards, all products, is contact and communicate your lender early. Uh, the sooner you can contact them, even before there's a, a, a default uh, or some kind of a, um, a mispayment on your, on your loans, the, the earlier you contact them, the better options they have to help you. A lot of the thought is, let's just kind of duck and cover. Uh, if I just um, ignore it for a while, maybe it will go away. Trust me, it, it tends not to go away. So the, the best advice we can give is contact your lender early, let them know that you're having problems, and they can work with you. In fact, in many cases, they're, uh, they're able to do more things when you're still current in the loan than once you've gone delinquent. Okay, so if you can anticipate that you're going to have trouble, you're not going to be able to pay, talk to those lenders. Now, Absolutely. What, what would you expect to happen, to see happen in 2012 based on the latest research you've done, the projections that TransUnion's done? What do you think is the trend line in 2012? Uh, uh, thank you, Barry, for asking. We've, um, uh, just so you know, TransUnion every year for the past four years has put out our projections for what we see for delinquencies across the, uh, the major lending type uh, products, so mortgage, bank cards, and, and auto loans. We put out our projections for where we see delinquencies going over the following year. So we just, uh, as you mentioned, had our news release, and where we're seeing mortgages for 2012, we see some, some uh, we think, pretty good news on the mortgage front. So TransUnion is predicting the 60-day delinquency rate on mortgages uh, to drop from approximately 6% at the end of 2011 
to about 5% at the end of 2012. So we're predicting about a 16% drop in 2012, and that is actually continuing a trend. We've seen uh, annual year-over-year declines in delinquency of 7% in each of the past two years. So this will actually continue and, in fact, increase that trend of fewer borrowers being delinquent on their mortgages. Uh, I always have to ask this about anybody who makes projections. How good have your projections been in the past? Did you see the decline from seven to six? Um, uh, the decline, sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to, to just get an assessment of in the past, as you've done this research in the past, as you mentioned, you've been doing it for years, how, how dead on have your projections been oh, in previous years? Sure. Sure. Yes, we've been we've been pretty good at projecting that uh, that downward trend. So we've really been seeing that over the past several years. We've seen those uh, those delinquencies decline. Uh, we did predict a decline in 2011, and we've actually seen that uh, that occur. Uh, we do expect to end again end the year about seven percent lower. Uh, I do have to uh, to, to say that uh, we saw a slight uptick in Q3 and um, water, right? The the, the um, we had seen you know, some pretty good progress. Q3, there were quite a number of shocks to the system, uh, as you will certainly recall, sure. uh, with the, the U.S. Uh, trying to work out its debt, uh, its debt issues and the, uh, the debt, uh, debt ceiling limit increases with the emergence of the Eurobond concerns with uh, continuing, continuing high unemployment levels, uh, just very persistent duration of unemployment mm-hmm. and just uh, a real hit to consumer sentiment in, in Q3. If you take all those things into account, not surprising to see that there was a very, very minor uptick. But after the, the encouraging declines that we'd seen over the past uh, previous quarters, uh, that, that, that uptick, we think, uh, was, was probably at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, anticipated. So, so I do have to say that our projections in 2012 uh, do predict uh, continued sure. improvement in consumer sentiment, in uh, no major shocks to the system. And uh, the caution is that if there are major shocks, for instance, if there are major defaults by European uh, nations on their sovereign debt, as a for instance, or a major uptick in un- unemployment, uh, we will certainly keep abreast of that and be revising our projections accordingly. Is it likely that if the Congress doesn't find a way to resolve the payroll tax, I mean, it's $1,000 a family that's likely to be saved if these tax uh, cuts remain in effect. It's not 100% clear that's going to happen. Um, does something like that have a significant impact on the level of foreclosures? It, it may. Uh, it certainly may. I think that um, you know, any, any shocks to consumers' ability, ability to, uh, to pay their different debt obligations may have a material impact. And uh, one of the things that we've really seen uh, that may be, may be useful in that discussion is some research that TransUnion did recently around the reversal of the payment hierarchy. And uh, I will give All you right. a 30-second summary of that. What, why, don't we, why don't we do this? Reversal of the... Of the payment hierarchy. Of the payment hierarchy. We're going to need to take a break because uh, without taking breaks, we are unable to sell any products, and we will go into foreclosure. So sounds, uh, sounds like a good plan. Why don't we do that? <laughs> so we'll do that. We'll be back with Charlie Wise, who is with uh, uh, the Financial Services Group uh, TransUnion. He is their uh, director of uh, consulting and... Uh, I just had to jot this down, and now I can't even read my own writing. 
But we'll be back with uh, Charlie, and we'll get his title right, I promise, when we come back for more right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's whatever Every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public. And we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet. Because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees. Plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. Prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas. This is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. Call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does this mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling 
General Steel first. Call 866-99-STEEL today and save as much as half the cost in time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call 866-99-STEEL. That's 866-997-8335. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call 866-99-STEEL today. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. We are back right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn, and we are talking to Charlie Wise, and I find, I think I actually got the title properly before me now, Director of Research and Consulting at the TransUnion Financial Services Group. How about that? Fantastic. That's Dead great. On. With uh, something like that, uh, who knows, I, I could go further in this business. Now, Charlie, it's a, right before the break, you mentioned something called the reversal of the payment hierarchy. Now, uh, this, uh, this sounds a little foreboding, so why don't you give us a quick version of what it is and why it's significant as you project fewer foreclosures next year, maybe down by 16%. It's a uh, thank you, thank you for that intro. It's uh, it's it's a fancy title for I think at the end of the day a pretty intuitive concept. So traditionally, when consumers got into trouble, when they had to make choices about what to what to pay first, uh, consumers would pay their mortgage first. They would do whatever they could to protect right. their mortgage, their home, and their credit card was what they would what they would pay last. So we would traditionally see consumers would default on their credit cards. Hey, you can always get another one. What we saw in the uh, in the most recent housing um, uh, uh, decline in the recession was that that hierarchy was completely reversed, where consumers through the recession and beyond are now paying their credit cards first and their mortgages after that. They are electing to pay their 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 cards before their mortgages, and there's a lot of intuitive reasons for that. One is um, their homes have lost significant value in many sure. cases are underwater. When you have to make a choice, you will deprioritize that, and consumers are now putting extremely high priority on their bank cards. Why? Because they can't get more. Yeah. It offers them a source of liquidity and a source of, of borrowing in times when they may need uh, those credit cards for day-to-day expenses. So consumers are taking better car care of their, their bank cards than they ever have before. Um, and, and, of course, they're also saving money because they're not paying any mortgage uh, by any legitimate standard that's a uh, costing them 16%, but they might be paying that particularly on unpaid balances of those big credit cards. Um, well, cert- certainly, if uh, uh, you know, if you can avoid um, avoid carrying all of your all of your balances on credit cards, uh, that is, is probably a, probably a good thing. But, but is it a, is been... this reversal though, uh, Charlie, a, a good thing? Should people think more about the old-fashioned way of uh, paying off the mortgage first to make sure that you have it? Equity might come back. I mean, is this a good reversal? across the board, or for some people, might this be another catastrophic mistake? It's, it's hard to say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, one of the, um, the, the reality is if, if you don't have enough money to pay everything, you're going to pay that which is most, most valuable to you. Mm-hmm. And in these uncertain times, having access to liquidity, having access to borrowing 
is is a real asset to you, and that may be what people need to get them through this uh, you know this this period. Would we like to see people prioritizing their mortgages and, and staying in their homes? A- absolutely, it's a, it's a good thing that mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the people are are, are able to um, to basically provide for sure. a stable uh, sure. stable home environment. But but the reality is, if you have to make a choice, we're not saying what they should do. What we're saying is that we've got research that demonstrates that they are doing that. That's right. And the the implication of that is, I talked about the mortgage delinquencies. What we're seeing on the card delinquency side is in the second quarter of this year, um, credit card delinquencies, so the percentage of households with one or more delinquent cards hit 0.6%, so six-tenths of 1%. Mm-hmm. That's the lowest delinquency rate that we've seen in the United States in 17 years. So this is the lowest, and of course confirms the idea that people are making a judgment, as you explained earlier, that the cards, they have them, they need to keep them, they can't risk losing them, and they'll deal with the mortgage in some way as a secondary matter. Um, so the delinquency for cards goes down. Now, we had a great Black Friday in terms of sales. Of course, a lot of people pay cash. Most people don't. Then it comes to Cyber Monday. You can't pay cash unless you've got a program on your computer. I don't. You can't shove uh, dollar bills or $10 bills into the computer and pay. Right. So that's all credit card debt. Is this or, or, a, or debit card. Or uh, debit card. Cases, Could be. People may be actually paying, paying cash just yeah. using a debit instrument. Yep. But, you know, most people are not using a debit instrument. Is, is there any concern that you have when you see these billions and billions of dollars spent on Cyber Monday? People are excited, but is there a downside to that that comes about mm, January 6th? Well, it's uh, certainly if, if people are spending uh, beyond their means, that, that's always a problem. And I, I think that, frankly, if, if consumers, that the same consumers that have been using their credit cards uh, really for day-to-day expenses use those same credit cards for um, you know, one-time expenditures on things that, I mean, uh, hey, I've, I've got kids. I know how important it is to, uh, uh, to have a nice Christmas. But at the same time, mm-hmm. people need to be prudent about, about spending within their means and understanding that. And, frankly, we, we have seen um, a, a tremendous amount of, uh, I hate to use the word responsibility, because I don't want to imply people have been irresponsible, but responsibility about around debt um, due to uh, the research that we've done around uh, the pay down of, of credit card balances. And we've seen a significant decline in overall aggregate balances and per household balances on credit cards over the past uh, two years. In fact, the average credit card debt per borrower in, in, uh, in the third quarter was about $1,000 less than it was huh. uh, in 2009. Interesting. I am starting to see, though, more mail just coming to my personal address, you know, that uh, offering me more credit cards than I could possibly need. And not the kind of mortgages that uh, promised absolutely easy money, the things that, of course, helped to create this crisis in the first place on the, on the home front. But uh, starting to see more of these, uh, call this number. Here's an 800 number. Call it. We'll help you get a mortgage. We'll help you do this. Reinvest. Think about option arms. Does this bother you? Does this give you a sense that we might be seeing, as was said, deja vu all over again? Well, I think on the credit card side, Barry, if you're getting if you're getting offers, yep. that means you take good care of your credit. Right. Because what we have seen is that uh, lenders are being very judicious in who they are offering new credit cards too, and at this point, um, they are absolutely, absolutely swarming around the prime and super prime mm-hmm. uh, score segments and and really hitting those uh, those folks. But the reality is. 
they're getting terrible response rates because, as our studies have shown, um, consumers are deleveraging. They're paying down their credit cards, sure. particularly at those prime and super prime levels. People just don't want more credit. They don't want nope. more more access to borrowing, and yet those are really the the, the, the lenders, uh, the, the, who the lenders are going after. On the flip side, the folks that may need more credit, the people with, with less than pristine scores, uh, are not seeing the same kind of offers. No. Well, and uh, of course, again, uh, there is occasionally enough res- irresponsibility to go around. We saw that. That's one of the reasons we're in, in this. It's not just pointing fingers at one group. It's pointing fingers at a whole system that kind of said, you know, folks, uh, you can have it all, and uh, you can think about paying it next Tuesday. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Tuesday didn't come. I want to thank you, Charlie, very much for being with us. Thank you so much, Barry. That's Charlie Wise. He's the Director of Research and Consulting at the TransUnion Financial Services Group. They come out with a new study that says, look, it looks to them, their projections have been good in the past, that delinquencies in mortgages will come down maybe 16% next year, and that those credit cards, we are starting to pay them off lowest foreclosure, or I should say delinquency rates in 17 years, and it looks like that trend continues. We'll be switching gears and talking about hunting, gathering, and farming when we return right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Over a decade, we are the GCN Radio Network. All right, we are back on Culture Shocks. Shifting gears uh, considerably here. A lot of people have heard about Pandora's box. You know, that's the old Greek uh, legend. The gods get together, put all the harmful things they can think about in a giant box, and uh, leave it in the good graces of Pandora. Pandora, though, gets very curious about what might be inside this box, so she unlocks it, opens it, and from it come all kinds of terrible things. In fact, the only good thing that comes out of it is hope, and that's why we, according to the story, have some basis for thinking the bad stuff might be dissipated. We may be able to do away with it if we have hope. Well, fewer people have heard of Pandora's Seed, but it's an excellent book now out in paperback, which uh, merely does a brief summary of the past 10,000 years or so. And it's written by my guest, Spencer Wells. Spencer Wells is the director of the National Geographic's uh, Genographic Project, a geneticist and anthropologist who studies human evolution. And uh, Dr. Wells, thanks you for being here, and welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Barry. Great to be here. Okay, so who is the Pandora of your book? Is it that first hunter-gatherer who's wandering around the woods who looks at the plant and says, you know, uh, I, I wonder if 
if this plant has something that makes it grow like a seed, if we took some of these seeds and planted them and protected them, we wouldn't have to wander around the forest as much. We could stay closer to home. Yes, in essence. I mean, what I'm talking about in the book, at least in the first part of it, is what archaeologists call the Neolithic transition, which is when we went from living as hunter-gatherers, as you say, uh, which is how we had lived for 99.9% of our history as a species, to being farmers. And uh, this was a rather abrupt shift in in events, um, certainly an abrupt shift in lifestyle. And, yeah, I mean, in essence, it came down to a few people in a few locations around the world at roughly the same time, around 10,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. who had been living as hunter-gatherers, deciding, hey, yeah, we need to plant these seeds. And the reason we think it happened, as I discussed early on in the book, is that there were a lot of weird climatic things going on around this time. We were coming out of the end of the last ice age, and conditions improved for a while, and then they suddenly got slammed back into ice age-like conditions. And all of these fluctuations led to a huge amount of food stress in the populations, as far as we can tell, and people had to innovate in order to survive. And that innovation was the invention of agriculture, which is a great thing. And, you know, we went from being a few million people scattered around the world at that time to 7 billion we had a little earlier this year. Um, but along with that, of course, came a lot of knock-on effects, unintended consequences. These and folks, the, the rest of the book is really about tracing sure. unintended consequences. Uh, these folks, and there wasn't just one Pandora who f- decided, let's plant a seed, but I'm always fascinated by the idea of who thinks of something first. What leads somebody to say these plants are not just growing here by accident, there must be a method, and I'm going to figure it out. Do we know anything about how that happens in multiple locations from Asia uh, to the Americas at roughly the same time? Well, the reason we think it was a climatic shift is because it did happen at roughly the same time. There was no Facebook back then, obviously. So, you know, people living in the Middle East couldn't post to their friends in the Americas, hey, got this great idea, plant some of those corn seeds. Um, it was, you know, largely trial and error. And again, I, I think, you know, as I argue in the book, that it was, uh, you know, caused by or precipitated by this food crisis that everybody was going through around that time. And so, you know, they, they noticed that the seeds tended to uh, drop off and fall onto the ground, and then they saw little plants occur in the mm-hmm. next growing season. And, you know, somebody put two and two together, and it was probably a woman initially because yep. historically in most hunter-gatherer groups it's the women who do the gathering. And so, you know, it's a question of observing, and this is what, you know, humans did for, you know, again, 99.9% sure. of their history. But Very you... good at assimilating this natural historical knowledge, and then somebody had the bright idea of kind of forcing the issue and planting things. If it's easier to get the food, it's easier to eat. If you have if it's easier to eat, you don't have to truck around uh, many forests, at least uh, for the hunting part or for the gathering part, maybe still for the hunting part. You have more time on your hands. If you have more time on your hands, you eat more, uh, you have sex more, thus creating some of the uh, collateral opportunities and consequences of becoming a farmer in the first place. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we went from being fairly nomadic as hunter-gatherers, you know, if conditions got really bad, you could always move elsewhere, to being sedentary. And as you say, you know, once we started growing more food, we had a little more time on our hands, certainly in the off-seasons, and people do what comes naturally. And one of the things they did was to make more babies, and that meant they had to grow more food. And so you started this kind of, kind of circular uh, loop that, that led 
said, more people, more food being grown, larger settlements, eventually cities and so on. And you end up, you know, in the 21st century with 7 billion of us on the planet today and huge megacities, sprawling, growing mm-hmm. megacities in the developing world. And, you know, I would argue that there is a lot of baggage along with that sure. that we're simply not prepared for as a species that until very recently was living a very different life. Yeah, and then some of that baggage is too many people in the wrong places, in places that can no longer be sustained, that the nutritional value of the food that uh, we are eating uh, is in decline. Was all of this inevitable, though, or could somebody at some post-Pandorian period have stopped for a moment and said to the rest of the tribe, you know, let's think for a moment about what we are doing? Well, it's very hard to turn back once you set this in motion. I mean, think about your own life. Would you want to give up, you know, the comfort of going down to your favorite grocery store or farmer's market and choosing your food for a life of, you know, making stone tools and going and hunting and gathering for a living? Probably not. Yes, I would definitely put myself (laughs) in that category. So, yeah, I mean, probably this happened relatively quickly, even though there were signs of a mismatch, if you will, with our biology very early on. And we see it, you know, most obviously in the appearance of cavities. Cavities are pretty rare in Mm hunter-gatherer remains going back to the Paleolithic period immediately prior to this transition and in present-day hunter-gatherer populations too. But immediately after they developed agriculture, suddenly people's teeth are rotting out of their mouths and it's because they're getting most of their calories from carbohydrates. So, you know, today rice and corn and wheat account for nearly 60% of the calories consumed on Earth. I mean, it's extraordinary. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, corn, an example of something most of us consider benign, that is to say, if you say, do you want cornflakes or Fruit Loops, the average person is going to say cornflakes because it sounds a little healthier. Corn on the cob, if you go uh, to the county fair, is better for you. At least it looks to be better than a fried Twinkie at the same <laughs> fair. So what started to go wrong when we started to plant and eat a lot of corn? Well, it was really a huge drop in the diversity of plant sources that we were relying on, or food sources in general, um, because, of course, we domesticated animals very soon after that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you look at the number of plant sources that were in the diet of these hunter-gatherers just prior to agriculture being developed, uh, they're using about 150 different plants, and that drops down to eight almost immediately. And again, most of the calories are coming from whatever the major grain is, wheat or corn or rice, depending on where you are in the world. So, you know, carbs mean you know, basically you're providing an environment for the growth of bacteria, and therefore we see these these cavities. And, you know, it's, it's led up today with um, all the worries that we have about high fructose corn syrup and so on. Right. I mean, these are t- tremendous sources of calories, but not particularly good for us as a food. When we went from 100 plants to 8 plants, what... Uh what were we missing? Was it merely that the eight taken in large quantity were bad for us, or were we also missing something from the 92 we didn't bother with anymore? We're almost certainly missing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we look at skeletal material across this same transition, so hunter-gatherer skeletons before agriculture and mm-hmm. right after it, um, surprisingly, people are dying younger after they become agriculturalists, and they're more unhealthy when they do die. They tend to be shorter and stooped over in their skeletal evidence that they weren't getting very good nutrition right. in childhood. And so, yeah, it's very clear that, you know, agriculture was not a good thing for us biologically, but it allowed us to grow lots of people, and so it took off kind of like a virus. Exactly. And when we come back, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about a new generation of viruses and also talking about why it is that 
very common diseases, even in the U.S., are particularly common, like diabetes in places like Samoa and amongst Pima Indians. Most people only know Pima Indians because Ira Hayes, who, one of the guys who raised the flag at Iwo Jima, happened to be from that tribe. That does it for this moment. We'll be right back for more on Culture Shocks. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. When natural disasters strike and the water supply is shut off, you won't panic because you have a CWR emergency water filter. CWR Environmental has been supplying emergency water filters worldwide for over 25 years. The difference? CWR emergency water filters are portable, easy to set up, and exceptional at removing bacteria, parasites, sediment, and many harmful contaminants, including chlorine and harmful microorganisms. Plus, they are NSF certified to assure performance. CWR emergency water filters can produce thousands of gallons of safe drinking water from any water source and come with a five-year warranty and money-back guarantee. For a limited time, the filters are specially priced with free shipping. Call now, 800-444-3563. That's 800-444-3563. Or go to CWRSurvival.com. That's CWRSurvival.com. CWR emergency water filters. Drinking water you can trust for when you need it most. CWRSurvival.com. You land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP. As slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP. As slim as possible. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. back and we're talking about a very fun uh, book frankly by Spencer Wells uh, with National Geographic the book's called Pandora's Seed Why the Hunter Gatherer Holds the Key to Our Survival that is to say when we move from being a group of people that went out to try to kill mammoths and uh, you know eat them and uh, which I, I guess is a pretty tough thing to do not, I've never seen a mammoth I'm not sure about that but when we decided to go into agriculture we had more time on our hands we also had more people on our hands we started to eat very few plant materials they seemed to be the ones that were high in carb easier to grow corn and wheat and uh, we may be suffering all kinds of adverse consequences as mr wells because of that so uh, spencer what uh, what is the thrifty genotype and how does it relate to something like diabetes more common in certain places like the samoa islands or uh, amongst certain tribes in the united states like the pima indians uh the thrifty genotype it sounds yeah. a little ominous yeah it does it, um yeah well it's it. actually a, it's a pretty simple theory first developed by an american doctor and anthropologist named jim neal back in the 1960s and he said well you know look around the world today we're living in this period of relative excess in terms of calories and that's the reason everybody's worried about obesity and so on and if you look back in time, that wouldn't have been the case throughout most of our history. And, you know, a lot of the time there would have been near starvation conditions for some of these populations. So there would have been strong selection, perhaps, to be much more efficient at storing the calories. So depositing fat when the times were, were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then when times got lean, you could kind of tap into those. Sure. And so he called this the thrifty genotype. And so something that's, that's adaptive and very good for you in one scenario turned out to be really bad for you in the modern scenario. And one of the best examples of this is probably the Pima Indians who live in the southwest, the U.S., and across the border in Mexico, where more than half of them are obese um, and have diabetes at very, very high rates. Um, and it's, it's possibly due to the fact that their ancestors were actually very good at storing food during these lean times. And now, of course, they're living in the, the excess mm. of you know, 20th, 21st sure. century America. And there are too many calories in their diet. And so they, they pack them on as fat, become very obese, and that leads to all the issues like hypertension, diabetes that we hear so much about these days. Well, what would be, though, the difference in the way in which Pima Indians adjust, in this case badly, to more food being available uh, and the wrong kind of food being available to what happens in other ex- still existing Native American tribes? Well, that's a good question. And, you know, these issues of obesity and diabetes seem to be pretty widespread in Native American communities. Um, again, if you think about how they would have arrived here, you know, thinking about the work that I do as head of the Genographic Project, studying ancient human migration patterns, 
their ancestors would have migrated across the Bering Land Bridge that connected Asia to North America right around Alaska mm-hmm. um, during the worst part of the last ice age. So 15 to 20,000 years ago, temperatures not unlike those in the dark side of the moon. They're living as hunter-gatherers. So there would have been you know, strong selection for anything that would allow them to survive these conditions of privation, you know, this harsh environment. And then, you know, suddenly they get down into the warmer parts of, of the lower 48 and down into Mexico, and particularly after they develop agriculture and they've got all these calories sure. in their diet, and those genes kind of turn on them. Yeah. And now you argue in Pandora's Seed, the book we're talking about, that there are new generations of viruses, HIV, SARS, avian flu, even mental illness rises with agriculture. What's the connection, for example, between this way we eat and way we live because we can eat this way that leads to the development of a new virus? Well, it really has to do with population density. So if you think about these hunter-gatherer groups that we would have lived in for most of our history, you're talking about you know maybe a couple of dozen people at most and then an extended clan of maybe 100, 150 or so. Um, but And so if you're living in relatively small groups like that, it's hard to maintain um, these infectious agents. Moreover, you know, a lot of the diseases that, that afflict us historically and even today came into the human population from the animals that we domesticated right. after we developed agriculture. So it's really only after we have the, the intense kind of um, dense populations that we see during the Neolithic and beyond, and after we have the animals that we've domesticated, that we start to see a lot of these viruses um, and, and other microorganisms entering the human population and becoming major scourges. In fact, people have suggested, uh, William McNeil, a historian who's written a lot about these issues, that a lot of the plagues described in the Bible might have been the first incidents of some of these diseases entering the human population from the animals that we domesticated. And so they would have seemed like a huge plague just totally out of nowhere and would have been quite frightening. When we talked about, uh, when one talks about the beginnings of the uh, HIV-AIDS crisis, a lot of uh, speculation that this was a disease that went from chimpanzees who have 99% of the same DNA or more than, than humans have, uh, and then somehow is transferred to human populations. Does this go back to, to, to polio? Does it, was polio something that animals had and we developed? Uh, polio? I'm not sure what the latest thinking is on polio, but what's certainly true is that, you know, in the case of HIV, this probably entered the human population at some point in the 20th century, and the reason it took off and became such a global scourge is because of human mobility and, of course, the, the densely populated cities right. where it could really just rip through. So, you know, this is an issue that we see time and time again. You mentioned SARS and everybody's worried about avian flu and so on. I mean, it's because we have factory farming. It's because we have densely populated cities. We have tremendous mobility globally today that, you know, something that happens in a a remote village in southern China can end up in, you know, Kansas in a few weeks. Exactly. Now, uh, I don't want to uh, leave us before we have a chance to get to the question, uh, how do you start to return to some of the uh, ways in which hunter-gatherers got it right without giving up every modern convenient? You're not suggesting, you know, we blow up our televisions and immediately start to forage for food. But what are the steps that you need to take I mean, one you just alluded to, ending this horrendous practice of factory farming. But what else do, does the average person listening to this show in California, for example, what, what can they do? 
Yeah, I think it really comes down to something that sounds almost too simplistic. As I you know, stated in the book, want less. I mean, one of the things that we've been doing since we developed agriculture, which is totally at odds with the way that we lived as hunter-gatherers for most of our history, is accumulating excess. And we were able to do that in part because there weren't too many of us until fairly recently, and we weren't having a huge impact on the world. And so we could fool ourselves into thinking that, you know, none of this was ever going to come home to roost. The world is infinite. We can't possibly affect it as a species. You know, we're just hairless primates. But, in fact, we are. And so you look at, you know, the evidence for global warming today, and you look at, you know, political strife and so on. I would argue that a lot of the roots of these problems today um, trace back to the Neolithic and this accumulation of excess and, you know, leading to ultimately human excess as well over population. Sure. So I would I would argue that taking a cue from the hunter-gatherers who never would have accumulated excess right. in the way we do today is maybe a step forward. It's a, a shift in thinking. The last chapter of your book is called Toward a New Mythos, and it connects uh, other disparate ideas to some of the evolutionary stuff we've been talking about, including religious fundamentalism. What does all this that we've been talking about in the realm of science have to do with religious fundamentalism? Well, so that chapter is a little speculative, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I probably haven't written too many things like it in the past, and probably yeah. will in the future mm-hmm. as a scientist, but, yeah. you know, I, I kind of take a look at the rise of fundamentalism both in the United States, mm-hmm. um, the Christian community in the latter half of the 20th century, and, of course, in the, the Islamic world, and, you know, trace it, in my mind, in part at least, back to this accumulation of excess, and that there are some people who are left out of the main mainstream and the ability to to accumulate excess. And, you know, they rebel against that and use whatever tools they have at their disposal. And one of the tools might be, I suggest, religious fundamentalism, the idea of tapping into something that gives your life meaning, even though you don't seem to have any secular meaning. Right. Um, and so it's, it's a movement that can only exist in opposition to the mainstream. And the mainstream, again, is all about the accumulation of excess and all these other things we've been talking about. Indeed. Well, listen, speculative or not, it's very in, a very engaging way to end the book. The book we're talking about, Pandora's Seed, Why the Hunter-Gatherer Holds the Key to Our Survival. doesn't mean you can never eat Cheerios, folks. It just is a very, very fascinating way to look at human evolution, human patterns, and why too much of too many seeds can have all kinds of negative consequences. Well spelled out in the book by my guest, Spencer Wells. Spencer Wells, thanks for being with us. And afraid that does it for today. That's the end of today's edition. I'm Barry Lynn, but we will talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Oh, my aching back. I've got to get some relief for my arthritis. When arthritis pain rears its ugly head, rub on Smooth Gator, the 60-second pain relief. Smooth Gator provides topical relief from head to toe and everywhere in between to stop pain fast. Smooth Gator is made with all natural oils, including wintergreen, aloe vera, and eucalyptus in a safe, non-greasy formula. Rub Smooth Gator on your neck, back, legs, knees, hands, any muscle or joint where pain from arthritis, sprains, strains, or backache needs fast 60-second pain relief. Smooth Gator can also be used for allergies, sinuses, fibromyalgia, and rheumatoid arthritis. In the time it took to listen to this message, you could have had relief with Smooth Gator, the 60-second pain relief. Go to smoothgator.com or phone 727-278-3137. Call 727-278-3137 or click smoothgator.com, the 60-second pain relief. Listening to Beatles Arama. Hey, ladies, in my ears and in my eyes. The Beatles story in words and music all day long. It somehow seems like a lifetime, yet it's only been 25 years. A generation has passed us by, and we mark each early December remembering the legacy of John Lennon. The so-called leader of the Beatles, a hat he never cared to wear, John would lead many in his all-too-brief lifetime. Shot down outside his Manhattan apartment building December 8, 1980, a generation has been deprived from his wit, his knowledge, passion, and his tremendous gift of music. I'm Pat Matthews, and today we remember John Lennon. Our life together is so precious together we have grown we have grown although our love is still special let's take a chance and fly away
the Double Fantasy album, his first recorded work since he put his career on hold in 1975 after the birth of son Sean. The rather fitting, just like starting over, because he really was. Next up, a song John actually wrote during his self-imposed exile from the music business. All about the joys of being a stay-at-home dad. This is a story about a houseman you know, just has to get out of the house and be looking at the, you know, the kids for days and days. He's been watching the kids and screwing around and watching Sesame Street. So he's going crazy. Woke up this morning. Blues around my head. No need to ask the reason why. Went to the kitchen.
You're done. Yes. yes, well, John, here is the American public, 40 million American viewers. Oh, it looks like staring, one man Staring you right in the face. Oh, it's the cameraman. What is your impression of the American public? You've been here for a while now. They're the wildest. Why? Well, I don't know. Tonight was, you know, marvelous, ridiculous. Well, there was 8,000 people all shouting at once, and we were trying to shout louder than them with microphones, and we still couldn't beat them. Was America something like what you thought it would be like? No, nothing like it. We thought it'd be much quieter. We thought, it, you know, we'd have to grow on everybody, and everybody seems to have know us all, you know, as if we've been here for years, it's great. What is your impression of the, uh, the new American singing group, the Cockroaches? Have you heard them yet? I haven't heard them, but it's already been done about 80 times in England. Sorry, Cockroaches. <laughs>